0: It's uh, great to have the opportunity again, as I have over these last few weeks, just to share with you. It's uh, slightly different today. We're going to step out of our series. Uh, we've been in a series in Luke chapter 5 called Jesus Calling. And um, as I mentioned at the beginning, a couple of our team uh, are poorly and uh, actually, poorly with COVID. And so they're at home getting better and isolating. And that gives me, a, a reasonably late notice, it's fair to say, uh, the opportunity to share with you. But I, we really want to honor the journey of this series we've been in. And so we want to step out of that for a week um, because I didn't want to sort of uh, give you a microwave meal in Luke chapter five, but we want something that's fresh cooked and uh, that continues that journey we've been in. So we're just pausing that. But I want to share really today, this morning from my heart, uh, something that I've just felt God speaking to me in the last couple of days. And as John Wimber uh, said to somebody uh, when he asked them to preach at very short notice, actually a couple of minutes before they were going to, to get up. In fact, the story goes that uh, this person turned to John and said, who's preaching this morning? And, and John said, you are. <laughs> and, uh, and they said, what, what will I say? And he said, feed them from your own plate. And so that's what I'm hoping to do this morning. I'm going to do that from John, uh, which I didn't write. John chapter 20, verse 19, and this is what we read. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now some of you know, because I preached on this a few months ago, that one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Jacob and his wrestling with the angel. You can find that in Genesis. Uh, many of you know the story already, but it's, it's where Jacob, whose name means he supplants or the deceiver, comes face to face with the angel of the Lord and wrestles hand to hand combat throughout the whole night. And and Jacob won't let go of the angel until the angel of the Lord blesses him. He is dogged. He is totally determined to receive from God through the angel a blessing. And in fact, when we take a sort of a step back from that particular story, what we find in the story of Jacob is that Jacob has been desperate to receive a blessing his whole life. His driving desire has been for blessing. He wanted blessing so badly that he pretended, he deceived, as his name says. He deceived his father by pretending to be his brother in order to receive the blessing of the firstborn. The father's blessing. But the blessing that Jacob receives from the angel is unlike the blessing he receives from his father in a couple of ways. Firstly, he has to be totally honest in order to receive this blessing from the Lord. Uh, In fact, the angel of the Lord says to him, who are you? And Jacob answers for for the first time truthfully. He says, my name is Jacob. Previously with his father, he said he was his brother Esau, but here he says, now I'm Jacob. So firstly, this blessing can only be received through honesty, through vulnerably and humbly coming in honesty before the angel of the Lord. But secondly, the blessing is strange because it comes in a strange package, a strange form. It comes not through some kind of outpouring of what you might describe as goodness, but it comes in a gift of a wound As Jacob's hip is put out of joint and from that moment on he walks with a limp, he becomes the walking wounded. And that's the blessing that Jacob receives, it's a strange blessing. We're not so different, are we, Jacob and us, we're not so different. I I, I believe that there isn't a human being alive, there isn't a human being in this room, there are a few human beings in this room. But there isn't a human being watching this or in our world today or throughout human history who hasn't had at the core of themselves a desire to receive and give blessing. There isn't a human who isn't in search even now of blessing. This is what we're searching for in church. This is what those who came to Alpha were searching for, I believe. It's what we're searching for in pubs, in football clubs, in gyms, and in gangs. It's what we seek in relationships with others as parent, as child, as spouse, as friend, as partner. We all go looking for blessing in different places. But I'm convinced that the most fundamental human need and desire is to receive and to give such blessing. That blessing is what Kiani Crystal Kissingu Mabiala the 20-year-old musician from St. Anne's who was knifed to death this last week outside the Victoria Centre. It's what he, his deepest desire was for. And it's what those who killed him, those who knifed him to death in the open air outside the Victoria Centre, it's what they most seek. It's what they most need. It's what they needed then and it's what they need now. We all need most deeply to receive blessing. It is the human search, and we're all wounded. We're all wounded, and we're all seeking blessing. We feel that, don't we? We feel that wounding today, deeply. If you're anything like me, you feel that. We feel it as we hear a story. Maybe you're hearing that for the first time this morning. You hear the story of another young man, knifed to death in our city, in our nation, meaninglessly, needlessly, killed For what reason we cannot even begin to think his life ended outside a shopping center in the full light of day. We feel that as more and more men become perpetrators of senseless murder in a way that will mark their lives forever. And while we believe there's a possibility, of course, of forgiveness and redemption, we can never turn the clock back. They'll never not be those who did that act on that day. And we feel that, that wounding deeply in a world where racial injustice is a daily reality for many. And many in our own community, our own church and city, carry the wounds. Those wounds in their souls and their bodies are the pain of a lifelong struggle to be seen as equal members of society. We feel that as many in our city and in our church community struggle in facing addiction. Addiction. We feel that with slavery still all around us in the 21st century. And we feel that when we see the environmental challenges, which seem beyond control and beyond hope. We feel that when our loved ones are taken advantage of. We feel that when children are abused or when our dearest ones receive a terminal diagnosis. We feel it as we struggle with the reality of the limitation we face through a pandemic. As again we face uncertainty as government stipulations change, those, uh, those among us uh, become limited and locked down again. Not all wounds, we're all wounded, not all wounds are of God's making, but all wounds can be used for his purposes. How do I know this? Well, listen to me again. Here we have what some uh, commentators have said that it, it functions in John's gospel. It's a bit like Pentecost. Jesus stands amongst the disciples, breathes his spirit into them and sends them out into the world. Uh, and he arrives in the midst of them when they're carrying their own wounds. And we might even say they're licking their own wounds. <laughs> feeling sorry for themselves, each of them having denied him or directly betrayed him. But it says in the text, this is the evening of the first day of the week. There is a picture here of a new day, a new possibility, even in the midst of wounding, the opening out of a new life and a new hope. And Jesus comes among them and he carries with him a blessing. Do You see that? He says this, peace be with you Now anyone who's been around the church, certainly the Anglican church, for any amount of time knows peace be with you is a blessing. To this wounded people, Jesus brings a blessing and the content of that blessing is peace. Peace be with you. Peace to the wounded. This is what Jesus brings. That's the first thing Jesus has for the wounded. He has Peace. But that peace, as we heard in the stories, we've just heard, and as I was hearing those stories for the first time, I was celebrating, saying, you've preached my sermon for me. Thank you. Peace be with you. But the other other thing that you heard there was also joy. It says here, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Peace leading to joy. But what did they see of the Lord? It says that they saw his hands and his side. What they saw of the Lord was a wounded Lord. The walking wounded Jesus. And his blessing in his woundedness was what gave them peace and joy. We are wounded. But what I want to say today is that what the Lord, the wounded Jesus has for the wounded people of God, for the wounded city of Nottingham, for the wounded people of this nation and every nation is a blessing. And the blessing is a blessing of peace, which leads to joy. That is his gift for his people. This is his blessing today for any person who would turn to him, who would ask to see his wounds, ask to draw close to him. But John picks up one more detail He says, he points toward this woundedness. Jesus himself is wounded. John makes pain to, to pick up that point. What does it mean? It means that God himself has wounds in his hands and his side. That our God is a God who knows what it means to be wounded, to be the walking wounded. The story of Jacob isn't the only story. The story of Jesus is also of a man who was wounded, as Isaiah says, for our transgressions pierced for our iniquities, upon him the punishment that was for us was laid. And his woundedness becomes part of our blessing. It's amazing to me that when Jesus is raised from the dead, his wounds are healed, but they're not removed. They remain integral to his identity The wounds caused by us remain part of who Jesus is and forever will be. And by virtue of his ascension, Jesus now is in the presence of the Father with wounds. With wounds in his hands. With wounds in his side. And when we meet Jesus, it will be the lamb who was slain that we meet. And we'll be able to put our hands in his hands and touch his side. He became for us the man who was wounded. And what this means... Is that we today can be in the presence of God with wounds. It means that there's no other way to come. Into the presence of God as a, a man or a woman. As a child. Except with wounds. Like Jacob did. To come as we are. To say I'm Jacob. This is my past. This is who I've been. These are the mistakes I've made. This is who I am. This is all I am, but I come as I am, honestly, vulnerably before God, with our wounds, with our weakness, with our sins, with our faults, with all of it before God. We come as we are. We come with our wounds, but we come into his presence with our wounds. You hear that? We don't have to stay outside of his throne room, outside of his courts, but we can come boldly because there is one in the presence of God now who's wounded and his wounds mean that our wounds don't keep us from God. In fact, they become the gateway into God's presence. God welcomes the wounded. He invites the wounded to sit at table with him. And he blesses them. He blesses them. He lays his hand on their head and he says, You are blessed. No longer will you be called Jacob, deceiver, but you will be called Israel, the one who wrestled with God and overcame. And that all happens This blessing, this is, I believe, in John 20, a a retelling of that story. Jesus lays his hands on his people, he breathes into them, and he blesses them with a new name. And that new name is peace and joy. And today, for the wounded, however you're wounded today, Jesus comes among you into your house right now. And he breathes his peace into you. And he speaks his joy upon you. And all you need to do is receive.